So a huge part of doing webinars is repurposing content. And I think you might be in the same boat. A lot of times when you have a smaller marketing team, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So one of the best ways to avoid that is by repurposing content. So using webinars to like, how can we chop this into several sound bites? How can we transcript it and turn that into an ebook? How can we take that five page ebook and turn it into three or four blog posts? But regardless, we hopped right in. Our first three webinars were like open demo webinars. So even if you're not using one day or video platform, just using video in your community, like it's something you need to do. You're listening to the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast, where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. Our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing most successful SaaS companies today. The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, H-O-P.online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today I'm with Michael Blodgett. And Michael is the Director of Demand Generation at One Day. With nearly a decade of experience working with high growth startups, Michael's passion is elevating marketing and demand gen strategy in every project he undertakes. In his current role at One Day, Michael develops marketing strategies and manages the execution of demand generation campaigns, utilizing an integrated approach and tactics that include webinars, email, SEO, digital advertising, industry and company events, social media, and content marketing. Pretty much the full gamut. In the past (laughs) two years, he's hosted 20 plus webinars and events with thought leaders in both senior living and multifamily in the multifamily industry that have brought more than 9,000 attendees. So Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Honored to be here. Excited to, to meet with you and chat with you today. And yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. First, can you tell us a little bit about One Day and what is One Day? Yeah, for sure. So One Day is, uh, we provide a storytelling platform for businesses, but right now we're focusing mainly on senior living and multifamily industries. There That could change in the future with some growth in other sectors. But we started out, I think about half a decade back with the goal of helping senior living communities capture every resident's story. Our platform is an asynchronous video platform that automatically brands and adds background music, title slides, everything that you need to make a professionally edited video, but in a matter of seconds. So each individual community has their own custom community branding for each video that we create inside their own app that they can just shoot on the phone. There are a lot of different use cases that have grown from using video just beyond sharing resident stories to sales and marketing to HR and recruitment. And it's been awesome to see the company grow. I believe we were at about 25 employees when I started and now we're, I think, almost at 70. So things are moving quick here. Amazing. Yeah. That is such a great example of taking what should be fairly ubiquitous technology and creating a very specific use case to a clearly defined audience and then really telling a story to that audience. And in your case, allowing them to tell the stories of their elderly loved ones. I presume it's a lot of the the kids and the grandkids of those residents who are producing content. Is that right? Yeah. So it's actually the actual staff that are on side of the, at the community. So it could be the activities director capturing like a fun picnic that the residents are having, or it could be the sales director who's sending a personalized video follow-up to someone who just came in and took a tour of the community. So it's the folks on site that are using the platform and the people consuming it would be either the the residents, the prospective residents, or the adult child, which is just a term for someone who's like helping their parent look for their where they're going to move in. I see. That's so cool. That's really such an amazing service and such value that you provide 
to those families because maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I have a feeling that that generation in general is maybe the last generation in human history whose entire lives aren't documented with photos mm-hmm. and videos and social media content. Yeah. Because probably our lives, or mo- at least most of our adult lives, I think, are very largely documented through photos. And those yeah. stories are going to be easier to surface for hopefully for us. And certainly for my daughter, who's now 12, I, I think practically n- not a day goes by where there's not some documented content from her life. Yes. Um, and it's just so different. But that generation of seniors now, it's like the last generation of non-digital documented yeah, generation sure. or something. And you can go back and with your app and, and retrace those steps and, and create a digital story that will live on for them beyond yeah. just some photographs. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah, when the app was originally built, it still has like title slides and like prompts that the on-site folks can ask. That'll it'll have those graphics like with the questions in between the actual answers and it'll have background music and it's really nice. So it's really cool though. It's not just on the, the qualitative side, also on the quantitative side, using video in senior living communities does affect the bottom line. So we actually did a case study with one of our partners called Jaybird Senior Living. They have about 50 or 60 communities scattered across the country. And so uh, just helping them implement using video throughout the sales process. So when someone comes mm-hmm. in to get a tour of the community, sending a video to them before the tour, a personalized video like, hey, Paris, we're so excited to meet with you today at 11 a.m. Here's where you're going to park. Here's you can walk in. Just look for my smiling face and I'll greet you and give you, a, we're, we can't wait to have you on site and show you hopefully your future new home. So, and then post tour videos, so sending a video after the tour. So like, hey Paris, it was so great to meet you and your son. He was so nice and I'm sure you're very proud of him. And it was so cool, like taking you around our community. You got to meet Betty. I think y'all be best friends. You both have a similar love for gardening. So anyway, we'd love to be in touch with yeah. you on next steps on when the timeline. So anyway, long story short, implementing video in the sales process, pre-tour, post-tour, and we were able to find that the communities that met or exceeded their goals for video creation versus those who didn't, there was a 5% occupancy boost for those who used video in the sales process, which if we're talking bottom line, it was 3.35 million in annualized revenue generated from the wow. net positive move-ins. It's not just the, you know, the resident story side, there's also the, the sales and marketing aspect too that is not only relevant in senior living, but also in multifamily and gosh, any industry that you can think of, just having a personalized video can and just a one-to-one interaction can make a huge difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just such a personal and genuine touch at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be the differentiating factor that pushes one family to go with that, that home versus another one. Definitely. And what is the addressable market, the total addressable market here? How many senior homes are there that you could sell into and how much have you penetrated that so far? We're almost in 6,000 communities nationwide with some in the UK and Canada. And we're really grateful for our amazing partners that love using one day, the ones that started using it yesterday and the the ones who've been with with us since 2017. So um, yeah, we're in just under 6,000 communities right now. And at what point does the company pivot into the next adjacent industry after what degree of success or what degree of market penetration in, in in the senior living space do you go into the next adjacent category? Or are you all even thinking about that yet if it's still too early? Yes, we we are definitely thinking about that. And I think this would call for a good follow-up podcast episode, maybe in Q4 or beginning of next year, where ah. that's something that's in the works and I haven't released anything on it yet, but that's something that we're, right now we're focused on senior living and multifamily, which having specific apps for those ones, but stay tuned. 
Okay. Well, we'll have to have you back on then at the end of the year. And <laughs> now it's, that's very intriguing what you've just shared, because I just imagine that kind of video led storytelling could be so applicable for so many other industries. But mm -hmm. I really love that you all started with a narrow niche and you're going really deep and vertical before you start to go wide. I just generally think, especially with SaaS in general, I think that's often that's the best approach is to find a, a nice narrow niche that you can really solve a clear problem for and go really deep before you start to go wide. And exactly. sometimes I think companies can try to broaden out into, into other categories too soon. And, and sometimes they mm -hmm. fail by trying to tackle too much territory too mm -hmm. early. Trying to be everything for everyone instead of focusing on like a niche yeah. ICP and targeting that. Yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, Michael, you all are you all are B two B targeted, not yes. B two C. You're not selling to the families, but you're selling to the managers yes. and the staff of the senior living facilities, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So that brings me to the webinar strategy. That's one thing that jumped yeah. out with the success that you've had with webinars. I mean, almost the ten thousand attendees for your webinars over the last couple of years or so. I'll play devil's advocate here because we've tried and honestly failed a bunch of webinars. And I've talked to a lot of other companies that have said, well, webinars are just a little bit played out and, and companies have exhausted that. And we're trying to move to other things now, like live mm -hmm. streaming or other formats. You all have really had success with webinars. Tell me what has been the key or some of the keys to your success with webinars? Yeah. So I started out at one day in August of 2020. So, you know, several months after COVID started, I think what happened before I started was a lot of our, uh, a lot of our pipeline was generated from in-person events and conferences and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic began, we had to pivot and think, okay, how can we provide not like a salesy approach? A lot of our partners and prospects in the industry are still hungry for content, whether it's just day-to-day -day things or like, how can you pivot like in the midst of the pandemic? And so we decided to start doing targeted webinars that tackle different topics and like pain points that they might have and how video could solve it. And so that was really the focus of like, hey, how can we provide them with the education that they would be getting at these conferences, but in a way that's like not salesy, more educational and consultative and helpful. So um, yeah, it was actually on the Thursday of my first week, our VP of marketing said, hey, Michael, I want to do a webinar on Thursday. And I was like, oh, Thursday, like... A week from today he was like, yeah, yeah we'll be fine like we'll just you know we'll, we'll i'll help you out we'll put it together i was like all right i'm gonna need a little hand holding I, at that point i'd never done hosted set up mm -hmm. promoted post webinar anything like that so that friday i got in touch with our account executive who's going to be running the webinar she was actually on vacation in utah but we were able to still like get the content together we did a webinar on how to use virtual how to use the one day platform for virtual tours in your community and so we only had about, I mean, we had about maybe 80, 90 attendees, but it's pretty wild over the next two years, the attendees of that webinar combined has been almost a quarter million of revenue for us from that one webinar of ARR. What do you mean just from the replays? So after you do the live webinar, you make it an on-demand webinar? Yeah. That people can so I, I mean, gosh, yeah. So a huge part of doing webinars is repurposing content. And I think you might be in the same boat. A lot of times when you have a smaller marketing team, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So one of the best ways to avoid that is by repurposing content. So how that look, and y'all do an amazing job. I checked out your LinkedIn. I, I'm probably going to be on there in like a little quote if I say anything that's helpful to anyone. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're going to we're gonna chop <laughs> this podcast episode up into at exactly. least 10 or a dozen little social media like, repurposed pieces. Some yeah. sound bites. Exactly. Yeah. So using webinars, like how can we chop this into several sound bites? How can we transcript it and turn that into an ebook? How can we take that five page ebook and turn it into three or four blog posts? How can we, are there any 
sections in here that the one, maybe a one day partners on the webinar and they gave us a shout out. How can we use that as like a LinkedIn ad or just a way where we can put it in front of our prospects or provide it to the sales team to send out to their prospects. So finding out how to repurpose that content. But regardless, we hopped right in. Our first three webinars were like open demo webinars. So it was just like kind of a live walkthrough of the app, just like showing our cards and saying like, hey, here's how you can use one day. But gosh, even if you're not using one day or video platform, just using video in your community, like it's something you need to do. It definitely wasn't a huge salesy approach. It was more just like, hey, here's how you can do it. And then after that, we jumped to a strategy of pulling in different industry collaborators, whether it was CRMs that we integrated with or consultants that we had similar mindsets to. And most importantly, One Day partners, folks who are raving fans or evangelists of One Day, picking their brain and just asking them, hey, what's a topic that you'd like to you know, collaborate with us on that you think is would be meaningful to your communities and also the senior living industry as, as a whole? And so given that strategy, we've been able to have pretty much monthly webinars since then, just following that rule where we try to pull in an industry partner, maybe another industry vendor, and just present on a topic that's meaningful to our audience. And so the amount of attendees and registrants ranges, like our largest one was just under a thousand registrants, our, our smallest one was maybe 40. So it all depends on the topic, who you're targeting, who yeah. you have on the webinar, all those good things. Yeah. I really like that, that you're also bringing in a partner or a co-pilot. I think that lends a lot of credibility to webinars when you partner with another brand and you go in a, with a co-branded or co-hosted approach. And yes. I also want to be, be sure I'm getting this right. So you do a live, you do a live webinar with a live audience. Mm-hmm. There's Q&A from that live audience. You record it and then you can have that recorded webinar on demand for indefinitely into the future. So then people can watch it whenever they want and you can mm-hmm. continue to market that webinar out into the future. Correct? For sure. Yes. And so at first, at the first like few months, we had them gated behind a form. And then I realized like, why would we want to have this content gated? We want people to watch it. So we just made it. I just made so instead of having to create separate landing pages, like, okay, first you go to the original one, you fill out a form to watch the the recording. All I did was just update the original landing page instead of the webinar graphic at the top, I just put the recording. So if anyone historically goes back in their email who missed the webinar and they click the link, they can just automatically be brought there. So yeah, yeah. we try to make everything, I, we try to make everything gated, except, you know, obviously we have a demo request form for people who are interested in booking a strategy call with us, but we try to even more and more shift some more ungated content instead of trying to get someone to fill out all their personal information just to take a look at an ebook PDF. Yeah. I think those days of gating all your premium content are kind of over because you can just do remarketing campaigns to all those people anyway, that just hit yeah. the page. Might as well just, and so they're going to keep seeing your stuff anyway. And, yeah. um, yeah. And if they're ready, if they're ready to convert, they're ready to do a sales demo or take the next step. That's going to be post webinar. Yeah. Anyway, I think those days are long gone and it's time to ungate all the best content. And let's talk about the webinar promotion, starting with your ICP or your ideal customer profile. Who is really the perfect customer profile that you, that is a decision maker with budget, the ideal person you want to get into that webinar and sell to? Yeah, honestly, it really varies depending on the community. We try to make sure our topics aren't overly broad, but they could have some bits and pieces that are relatable to whether it's someone in operations, someone in sales, someone in marketing. Usually it would be someone most likely on the director or VP level. When it comes to the promotion, it's several methods we use. So we use you know email drip campaigns. So we have our own like marketing outreach list that we send from my account. We also provide email templates for the sales team that usually a two to three touch campaign where they can just send out a sequence in HubSpot. One of them will have a personalized video. One of them might have a personalized or like a video, generic video for me. One will just be like the webinar graphics. So I usually write those, give it to the sales team to use, the SDR team to use. 
And then, so we have those two going on. So email outreach, we also have LinkedIn ads that we usually run for about two weeks. Usually we don't promote webinars beyond two weeks, just because I couldn't tell you what's on my calendar two weeks from now, unless I'd be traveling. So people don't plan that far ahead. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then on top of that, we usually have, if we have a partner who's going to be presenting, we'll ask them to make like a video in the one day app, promoting the webinar and sharing it on their LinkedIn profile. So we usually will have two or three, whoever's on the panel or presentation sharing their own videos on LinkedIn or their own posts promoting it, which honestly that organic social content a lot of times can be more powerful than a post coming from our corporate account. So, Oh yeah. I definitely believe, especially that with LinkedIn organic, the reach is so much bigger if it's coming from a personal profile as opposed to a company profile. People really want to follow other people, not necessarily companies. And LinkedIn is still pretty generous, I believe, with organic reach, especially with personal profiles and personal posts. And the email marketing is, is certainly great. And let's talk about the, well, let's talk about the post webinar funnel. Do you typically have a call to action at the end of the webinar to get people to take a next step? It depends. Some We tried it before on some. A lot of the time we, I mean, post-webinar, I always send out the recording to all registrants, whether they attend it or not, just from my marketing email. And then from there, honestly, like give, given um, the con- the fact that the contact, contacts are probably already in our CRM and maybe being reached out to by whether it's an SDR, usually the next step would just be the SDR or the account executive, just reaching out and not saying, hey, do you have 15 minutes for a demo? but saying like sending a follow-up piece of content that's very similar or relevant to the webinar. So for example, an ebook, like 10, 10 reasons to use video in 2022. So sending like a helpful educational piece of content uh, post-webinar instead of necessarily, uh, hey, here's my calendar link. And we've seen success with that. And sometimes people will be like, oh, I'd like to book a demo. And then other times it can take 15 touches. So it all always varies. Yeah. I'm guessing though, that a lot of the people that are attending your webinars and they're encountering your brand for the first time, they may not even they may not even really be looking for a video solution. Am I correct? Because you first need to build awareness that there is this cool opportunity to engage with your customers in such a better way. Is it is a lot of it initially just about showing them that this whole category even exists before they start really getting into market? Yeah, that's a great question. So usually someone will fall into one of two categories. They'll either be in a, a situation where they're asking why video? Do I need to use video? Like, why should I use video specifically? Or they're in the bucket where they're thinking, why one day? Like, why one day specifically versus like just recording on my phone, using another video platform, et cetera. So usually they're going to fall into one of those two categories, either why video or why one day. Thankfully, our webinars provide enough content where it's not too focused on one or the other. But no matter where you, which bucket you fall in, you're going to walk away with some helpful information. So yeah, that was a great question. Generally, there's some people that are convinced like, Hey, I need to use video. I just don't have the bandwidth right now, or I don't know how to get it rolled out to my team. Um, I also don't know how to like have quality control to make sure the videos are like on according to brand standards or fill in the blank. And then there are others who are still trying to sort out whether video is something that they need to do in the first place, which helps having a lot of educational content centered around both to help folks, mm-hmm. no matter where they are in the buyer's journey. Which prospect do you prefer? The one who just has no clue yet or the one who is already tuned into video, but maybe skeptical that, oh, do I really need a specialized app for this? Because I mean, I have a phone, I can do this with Facebook, I can do it with TikTok or sure. a dozen other apps that I already have on my phone. Who who do you prefer? That's a great question. I honestly, 
I mean, I mean, one could technically say the latter would be easier to close if they already are aware of the need for video. But I enjoy having whether it's interactions I've had at conferences or just over LinkedIn. Just I enjoy having conversations with both. It's also really eye opening for me to learn. I mean, because I'm always trying to learn as much as I can, learning what individual challenges or opportunities that their community or communities are facing. So I don't want to ever go into any conversation with like, okay, one day's the perfect puzzle piece that fits, you know, that'll make everything perfect. I want to go in and I want to learn about what they're facing, what some of their goals are and find out video can video help 99.9% yes, but want to go in listening and understanding. So sometimes honestly, those conversations with folks who uh, may not be sold on video yet can be more of a, a learning opportunity for me to even learn how to market one day better to those in that category. So I like both. I don't have a preference. Okay. Uh, yeah, just a different approach and a different way of communicating value to, to based on where people are coming from. Yes. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P, dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, Back to the episode. Yes. And I'm also curious to know what is the endpoint or the final distribution of these videos? So the staff are creating these videos and telling the stories of their residents that gets into the hands of family members. And then it gets distributed out through, I'm guessing, Facebook and perhaps Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. What are the final distribution channels and how do you integrate with them? And is there a particular yeah. strategy there that also helps you all make sure that the final content is reaching the the right audiences. Yeah, definitely. So I would say that 100% depends on what the use case is. So if the use case is resident stories, probably the end viewer there would be as many family members as possible for that resident being able to share it with their family. If whether or not they want to share that on social media, totally up to them. But for resident stories, that would be going to maybe an adult child who wants to check in and see how mom is doing. And we're able to share like a fun video with them like, hey, here's mom like enjoying playing bingo with her best friends, something like that. For resident stories and activities, a lot of time the focus is family. So branching more to activities only, a lot of times that would be really helpful content for social media. And our platform has a, an instant share to social button so folks can share it to their corporate or individual profiles. So that, you know, if you want to capture some fun content of the residents having, like one of our partners had a bunch of food trucks come in for a celebration and took some videos of that and posted it directly to Facebook. And then moving into like sales and marketing, if it's on the marketing side, prospective residents, sales side, it's usually going to be a lot of one-to-one -one personalized video content. Like I was giving the examples earlier on the pre-tour, post-tour videos, even sending, uh, just having a touch point that's not a, a boring, you know, blank, uh, text-based email, hey, do you have 15 minutes to catch up? Or hey, how, are, how is your decision coming along? I don't think any of us like getting those decisions when we're on the being sold to side. So there's no reason for to send that out as us on the sales side. So sending a video check-in can be so much more meaningful than just a quick like, hey, do you have 15 minutes? So I'm sure you can resonate with that as well. And then last of all, HR recruitment is a use case that I 
I haven't really chatted about yet here, but it's one that's really grown a ton, especially in the last year or two. A lot of our communities are finding that recruitment and the process for recruitment is becoming very similar to their process for marketing in general. So being able to attract top talent and attract talent that stays, a lot of all these communities need caregivers day in and day out, and all these other positions, whether it's in in the kitchen and activities directors, therapists. And so um, being able to recruit and retain top talent, you have to stand out these days. So being able to use video, whether it's on the job posting, there are stats that show that if you have a video on your job posting, you get 34% more applicants. So video on the job posting, or maybe it's sending a personalized video before they come in for the interview. It could be like, hey, here's your park. Here's where you can park. Here's where you'll roll in. And oh, hey, and here's uh, here's Jonathan. You're going to be meeting him on your tour as well. He's he's a resident who loves living here. So just using video and the HR and recruitment tool, I mean, the end audience for that is obviously going to be the prospective employee. And then even using internally as once someone's already an employee, a lot of our a lot of our partners use it as a way to send personalized messages to people internally, whether it's a congratulations post on something in their personal life, or maybe they hit a sales goal and they're sending like a one-to-one message. So this is maybe used more from like corporate to community level, but it can be used individu- in- internally in the communities too. Lots of use cases and each one has an impactful, meaningful result. Yeah, I mean, practically endless use cases really when you think about it. And once you get the app into the hands of these, once you're signing up these customers, how do you monitor their active use of it? And do you have any kind of warning signs when when usage starts to drop? Are you trying to re-engage in order to retain and prevent churn of those existing customers? Do you have customer success team that's making sure people are continue to use the app the right way? Oh, definitely. We have a, gosh, I, I love our customer success team. They're so much fun to work with and they do such a great job collaborating with our partners, not just in a reactive way, but in a proactive way. Generally, if we were to see any, I guess, warning signs, if there's maybe a few less videos created, that's not something that's going to be noticed three months down the road at their quarterly review. It's going to be something that's going to be noticed on a more granular level. So we have each account has their own designated customer client success advisor is the term for it. But each one has their own not book of business, but their own group that they are there for, whether they have questions and need help. But more importantly, just having strategic planning sessions with our key contacts to help them utilize whichever use cases that they want to focus on. Sometimes when folks, like you said, sign up with one day, they may not be ready to go like, okay, we're going to do resident story, sales and marketing, and HR and recruitment all full blast. Some may need like a more tiered approach, a more tiered implementation or rollout. And so we always want to make sure that we're just giving them their own personalized experience. And yeah, our customer success team is amazing. They do such a great job and they're a lot of fun to work with. And I and yeah, our partners can vouch for that too. Yeah. Have you all thought about or working on taking all the work of the customer success team and rolling that into a broader community where different customers can share content in a a community-driven way and gain inspiration for new video ideas from other people from across the country doing something cool. We've done, that's a great, yeah, that is something that we've, that's, I won't say that's a pie in the sky thing, but that's one of those things that we've brought up a few times on occasion in the past few months is something we want to tackle because, yeah, Paris, like the future of having really happy partners a lot of times can be just getting them involved in a community with fellow users. Right now we do have an executive advisory board where we have about a dozen folks that meet, you know, several times a year that come in and we share with them like upcoming product releases, product announcements, really get their feedback on what's working, what's not, and implementing those changes in our platform and in our teams. Outside of that, we do a lot of 
we have a lot of like super user awards. So we have a top 100 one day users and we give them their own like LinkedIn graphic they can share on LinkedIn to promote it. But when it comes to community, that's something that we really are looking forward to kind of tapping into that in the future because that's a huge opportunity. Oh, yeah. For us. Yeah. I mean, I think community is just massive in order to really to retain and, and continue to engage all those customers. If, if they can go into a community and share and learn and get inspiration, then it becomes very hard to leave the product when you'd also be losing the community membership. And the community membership might even be perceived as with a higher value, even than the product itself. For sure. Uh, but yeah, I, see, I just see that community could be so huge for you all. Ultimately, it just it naturally lends itself to that. And I guess there's a already probably a lot of affinity among people in this profession anyway. I mean, you go into this profession because you, you want to help people. And, mm-hmm. and there, I sure. think there already is a community that exists already. And uh, yeah, I think that's community marketing seems to lend itself really great here. I'd like to I'd like to know a little bit about your team and how you've organized your marketing yeah. team and how that developed. How did that marketing team grow? What kind of roles do you have? When did you add those roles and what sequence? Or was it just fairly as you all are growing so fast? How did you decide, how did you decide what positions and when to hire different marketing roles? Yeah, definitely a great question. So I started out at the same time as my counterpart on the marketing team, Stephanie. So we started on the same day in August. Before then, we just had a leader on the marketing team, just a one one person show. And so we were both hired with the goal of being not in silos, but she is focused on brand. I'm focused on demand. And so we built out our teams in that way. Initially, we had our SDR team report to me just out of necessity because I had experience as an SDR for a couple of years, my first job out of college. So as we got our series B and grew as a company and hired more and more SDRs, it became, uh, when we needed to hire roles, it was just a pretty transparent communication of like, Hey, just chatting with leadership being like, Hey, here are some areas where we need some help. And so for example, we were able to hire an SDR manager and now our SDR team is, gosh, I think it's about almost 10 people now. And then I was like, all right, this is maybe it's time to have a dedicated SDR manager. And then we were able to get one. And then also when, you know, more conferences and in-person events started happening, that's a huge undertaking. We were able to hire an event marketing specialist. Her name is Caitlin. I still haven't found something she can't do. She's like the most creative person I've ever met. So she handles all of our conferences and in-person events, whether it's a, a like a rooftop social we're hosting all the way down to the travel and booking of the people going. And then on Stephanie's side, we've hired a marketing support coordinator who's really helpful with creating those custom themes in the app, the motion graphics themes. He's the expert behind the scenes editing that when I get home. And then we also have a client marketing specialist who used to be a client success advisor on our team. She's in charge of all things client success, our masterclass that's for our partners, things like that. And then we also think it was a year and a half ago, we hired a marketing intern also from my alma mater, UT Dallas. And now she's here full time and she's, she helps out both Stephanie and I really in, in strong ways. And then we, I just hired a digital marketing intern to help with some of the things that sometimes unfortunately slipped through the cracks for me. So it's helpful to have her on the yeah. team to help me out. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's a large team and it sounds like a lot of talented people. It almost sounds as though you all are almost becoming a media because you're really video first. You lead with video with everything. It's the core of your own product anyway. And I just think that's brilliant. You're creating media content with these events and and the stories of these senior citizens. And I also believe along with community building, I think that's also such a key to the success that you all have had is that you start with video and then you repurpose from the video into so many other formats, but then getting, just getting all that video footage just gives you so much to work with. 
Yeah. That's a big part of generating demand versus just capturing demand that's already there. So being able to not label ourselves as a media company, but being able to create content that's able to be repurposed and that's helpful and topical and Mm -hmm. a bunch of different mediums, whether it's podcasts, webinar, video series, eBooks, blogs, being able to pretty much turn into where we're sharing insights that are just helpful for our partners and prospects. Oh, absolutely. If you're the ones can, if you're the ones answering the why video question, then there almost isn't, an, there isn't probably a why, a why one day because you're it. If you're the ones that educate and you generate that demand, that's your customer whenever they're ready to pull the trigger. I, I don't imagine they're going to start shopping around too much. And I think that's true across a lot of industries. I, when you're the one that convinces the customer that they have a problem that they weren't previously aware of, you just have such an unfair advantage in that the, the research process that begins from that point forward. That's your customer to lose at that point. I believe that. Sure. And it sounds like you all just are using your product and the whole video first marketing approach to do a phenomenal job of making people aware of the power of video for their own marketing and then the power of video for these families, the families of their customers. Mm-hmm. And that's just great. And uh, no surprise that you all have had so much success. And what's next for one day? I mean, how big can you all grow this? Oh, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm here for the ride. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'd say stay tuned for next moves here. Hopefully we can hop on another podcast, whether it's Q4 or next year and just give a little update on things. I'm sure I'll have a lot more to share and hopefully I'll have learned a lot since then. We have a lot of really great initiatives that we're focusing on right now, building out our digital presence, building out our automation, building out retargeting, things like that. So we'll definitely have our hands full, but all with good things and good learning opportunities and ultimately things that'll help our end users. So that's the goal. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, as we wrap up here, Michael, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask? Or is there anything else that you think that would benefit our audience? I hope I covered everything I could, Paris. You had some phenomenal questions. It was really easy to just answer off the top of my head. It's an honor to, to be chatting with you today, oh, Paris. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And for the people who may be watching this, and there's a small fraction of our audience that may watch the video, Michael shared with me that he's got a Friday tradition of wearing one of his, what do you have, about 30 Hawaiian shirts? Oh gosh, so? I don't have 30, but I have maybe 10, which I think okay. still is, you know, a lot. That, that's still um, impressive. You, <laughs> yeah. Most people so will first, have one or two in their closet. But <laughs> so just for the record, um, I tried my best to match Michael's style today <laughs> with the Hawaiian Friday, but that's a cool tradition. And I think it's a great way to, to really celebrate the, get an early start on celebrating the weekend that's coming. Yes. And I might steal that idea from you, Michael. I like that a lot, but I'll hey, need a few more Hawaiian I'd shirts in my, in my closet. Find a local thrift store. It's going to be really cheap. You'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that. That's a good piece of advice. Great. Michael, where can people find you online? I'm on LinkedIn, Michael Blodgett. I'm wearing a red Hawaiian shirt. Trust me, I just wear these once a week. Y'all, don't worry. I try to post things that are maybe just updates on things that are going on with one day, what things that are that I'm learning in my career. So if you find it helpful, please follow. Cool. It's been a real pleasure, Michael. Thanks for spending the time with me. Let's save the date for sometime towards the end of the year because I feel like you're... Yes. You're still sitting on something that you can't say yet, but hopefully you will get that next chapter of your story out in our next in our next session. I am so looking forward, forward to that. that. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for having well, me. Take Chris. care, Michael. It's been a real pleasure. Thank thanks. you. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.